Anyone but Biden. 2024, the merch is available at stewdoesmerch.com. Use the code stew10 to save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel and hit the bell for notifications. We appreciate it. Former CIA officer Mike Baker is going to join us to help us make sense of all the insanity around the globe. Biden's canceling oil leases as gas prices are skyrocketing. It's got to end well, right? Like that's it always works out when you do things like that. But we start by doing the state of the 2024 race. Part four. The final chapter. This is the, I guess this, in this series, uh, this is the one where um, Rocky uh, solves the Cold War. So that's, that's good. We're in a good part of the series. Um, CNN poll, Biden faces negative job ratings and concerns about his age as he gears up for 2024. This is a big CNN poll released today. And I will give you the standard warning when it comes to polls like this, this far out. You're not going to know everything about the race. This is not a, an instructive process as far as how this is going to end. What it does tell us is where we are right now, some of the things that both parties need to work on, uh, where are the weaknesses, where are the strengths. We can learn lots of things like that from polling right now. What we can't learn is who's going to win, because at this point, honestly, you can't tell. There's no way to tell that from, from this. We don't even know who the nominee is going to be yet. But let's look at this information. I do think it's interesting. By the way, I want to drop this one little nugget in here, which is kind of interesting. Uh, a majority of Americans believe Joe Biden, as VP, was involved with Sun's de- business dealings. Now, you might say, well, of course he was, and you'd be right. But thinking about the American people, the fact that they're aware of this is a positive. Uh, this is a good thing, the fact that they know this early. Again, you're you. Stop thinking of you as normal. You're not normal. You're better than everyone else. You watch this show, we know you're better. You're, you're in a really cool club, and you probably know a lot more than all of your friends. And, you know, your friends, probably nice people. But, uh, you know, uh, according to you, uh, in comparison to you, they have the IQ of a carrot. Okay, that's just the way this works. So it's okay. It's okay to be friends with people that have the IQ of a carrot, but you don't have to listen to their dumb opinions. Okay, so let's go through uh, the poll here. Uh, Here's some of the stuff. Uh, Let me give you the top line stuff first. Let's get through some of this. Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating stands at just 39 percent. Fifty eight percent say that his policies have made economic conditions in the U.S. worse, up eight points since last fall. One of the things about. This that happened today is uh, Joy Behar lost her mind over this. She just can't imagine why people don't think that the economy is good. Now, look, her economy is good. She's got those gigs at the Catskills that she's pulling off every weekend. I'm sure those are, are lucrative. Also, she's on The View, which is somehow still a show and has been on the air for 943 years with a bunch of gaggling ladies saying their stupid opinions. And we should think about this every once in a while. A lot of times we don't give thanks for the good things in life. And we should thank our lucky stars that the view exists. Because if you think about it, it's like this constant flow of the dumbest people giving the opposition argument. Like, how do you, you can't pay for that stuff, right? Like, you always want a really dumb person to be your opposition. And the view constantly churns this stuff out. This is why AOC is so great, right? She's like the dumbest person you know trying to say the thing that you're opposed to. You have a really smart liberal, that's going to be annoying. That's going to be hard. You're going to have to come up with good arguments. You don't have to do that with people on The View or AOC. So we, 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 a lot of people complain. They don't like AOC. They don't like The View. We're on the other side of that here on this program. I love it. I'm glad they're here. Keep churning out the nonsense. Thank you so much. Um, by the way, 70% 
of people say things in the country are going badly. A persistent negativity that has held for much of Biden's time in office. And 51% say government should be doing more to solve the nation's problems. Two things to learn from there. Number one, just like you, the American people see problems, uh, the big set of problems. Things aren't going so great. We could be doing a lot better. Secondarily, though, and the problem here with this particular poll, and the reason why I think our entire debate has changed is because that number at 51% of people think the government should be doing more. That's not the American spirit in action. That number has always been lower than that. Why? Well, uh, we're supposed to be doing more for ourselves. We want the government to get out of our way. We don't want the government to do more for us. And now we're in a, in a, in a season, if you will, where even the right seems to want the government to do more to solve all of their problems. You know, look, I'll go back to Reagan. I know people say, oh, Reagan, it's not 1984 anymore. I got it. That's true. But some of the some of the knowledge there is going to stand up and the government causing problems instead of curing them is uh, is something that holds up. We should not be begging for the government to step in and solve all of our problems. They usually make things worse. All the things that we complain about today are, are at some level problems the government has created or just made worse. So let's not cheer that on, please. Um, perception of Biden, perceptions of Biden personally are also broadly negative. 58% say they have an unfavorable impression of him. Fewer than half of Americans, 45%, say that Biden cares about people like them, with only 33% describing him as someone they'd be proud to have president. You know, this is really devastating to the Biden uh, presidency, this, this one in particular, because what you're supposed to get with Biden is not a policy genius, not a great leader, but at least a guy who you like, who is nice, who you think cares. That's really the only reason he got elected in the first place. He was able to convince people like, look, I'm going to be I'm going to bring things back to normal. I know I am a blue collar guy. I know the problems of the average person. And you want to have a beer with me. We're going to hang out. I'm going to be Joe and they're going to be have that big smile on. I'm going to crack some jokes, sniff your daughter's hair, whatever I'm going to do. It's going to be something fun. You're going to love it. And people just don't see him that way. Uh, I don't know if it's just a factor of him being so old and so out of it. It could be that. It could also be that, you know, people don't tend to be, want to be friends with people that are screwing their lives up. So maybe that's just a general likability issue for Joe. But that's a serious one for him because that cuts at his core. Again, like, you know, if, if you were to say, well, you know, my problem with, you know, Joe Biden is that he's, uh, you know, super liberal. Well, I mean, you know, that's not necessarily where he's been seen, you know, historically. Now, I see him that way. You see him that way, probably. But he's kind of came into office with this idea that he was this moderate. He was this guy that was in the middle of the road. He could understand both sides. He's friends with Mitch McConnell, after all. But in reality, that's not, a, that's not necessarily cutting at his core. What cuts at his core is his likability and the fact that he cares about regular people. This blue-collar image that he supposedly has, I think most of it's created in his own mind, which whatever's left of it, has not, whatever part has not deteriorated, like, you know, uh, you know, I like uh, you know, uh, toilet paper left out in the rain. <laughs> you know, it's like that's kind of what the brain is typically for him. But that's where we are with Joe Biden. A smaller share of the public now than ever says that Biden inspires confidence. Only 28 percent. I mean, that is a catastrophic number or that he has the stamina and sharpness to serve effectively as president. Only 26 percent down six points just from March. Those declines driven largely 
by Democrats and independents. You know, Republicans, of course, were already on this bandwagon long ago. You'd expect that. Any negative, you know, uh, uh, any negative uh, stereotype that you can apply usually applies uh, to the opponents. So, you know, if you're Republicans, Democratic president, even if it doesn't perfectly describe them, if it's negative, most Republicans will probably check that box. That's not the way it works with independents or Democrats when a Democratic president is in office. This is catastrophic. If, if, if you're seeing this much weakness in your numbers, you're going, uh, you're going into this. Um, you're kind of like a, a really small boat in a very large storm. And, you know, can you stay afloat? Well, maybe. But if the wrong wave hits you at the wrong time, you could be put under very, very easily. Roughly three quarters of Americans say that they're seriously concerned that Biden's age may negatively affect his current level of physical and mental competence. Now, look, his physical level of physical and mental competence is already incredibly low. Uh, He can't do anything. And people are concerned it's going to get worse. We went through the numbers yesterday of the actuarial tables where by the end of his presidency and any given year, he'll have over an 11 percent chance of death. I'm not making that up. It's not a good thing. You kind of want a little more, uh, someone who's a little more virile, I would say. Uh, His ability to serve out another full full term if reelected, they doubt that, 76% of people. 68% seriously concerned about his ability to understand the next generation's concerns. That stands at 72% among those younger than 75, which is 57% of those over 65. And here's the thing, you don't get to these type of numbers without people around the very same age as Joe Biden also thinking he's too old. This isn't just kids saying it. People in their 80s are also saying it. They know themselves. They know maybe in some areas, maybe they've slipped a little bit. But they also probably know, and maybe are themselves, people who can absolutely have high-level jobs if they choose. But they see Joe Biden, and they've also seen that among their friends. Friends who are fading, friends who are slipping. It's sad, it's true, it comes for all of us. Mitch McConnell's the same way. Uh, throw in Dianne Feinstein, throw in Nancy Pelosi. You could make a whole list of these people. All of them seem to be in our highest, highest leadership positions, which is saying something about our country. A broad 67% majority of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters now say it's very or extremely likely that Biden will again be the presidential nominee for the Democrats, up from 55% who felt that way in May. And that's something we've talked about for years. Um, we would go back to the 2020 election. After that goes on, uh, you will hear me saying the most likely nominee by far is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Why? He's the president of the United States. And something crazy has to happen for him not to be the nominee. Now, it still could happen, right? We're, we're you know, 15 months away from the actual election. It's very possible that something happens with his health or his son. Uh, those are the two most obvious things that could go on where he just says, I got to step down. This is either too much heat with his son or it's, you know, his, his, his health is fading. It's very possible, especially if you start seeing approval ratings in the, you know, let's say high 20s. Right now, he's at high 30s. He's probably not going to step down with those numbers just because of pressure. Look, we can look at Joe Biden and say, oh, well, it's Barack Obama running it or it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Blinken running things or, or whoever you want to make up that it is there. And those people do have a lot of influence by all reporting. 
clearly he has his moments where he's not doing his job and other people are doing elements of his job, but still it's his gig. It's hard to throw out the most popular, or excuse me, the most powerful, not the most popular, the most powerful person in the world to get that person to just give up that power. Power this guy has wanted his entire life is incredibly difficult and would only happen under the most extreme circumstances. So the most likely thing is that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. The question is, who do you want to go against him? 67% say the party should nominate someone other than Biden. That is incredibly, inc- I, can't, it's, I can't even express how high that number is. 67%? That is bonkers, that number. 67% say the party should nominate someone other than Biden, up from 54% in March, though still below the high of 75%, who said they were seeking an alternative last summer. Now, as he becomes the nominee, assuming nothing crazy happens, those numbers will start dropping. Uh, Democrats won't want to admit that the person that they have running is not the person they want. They will come back home. Those numbers will change. But it is a serious indication of their doubt and, if anything, puts a dent in potential turnout options. People could be easily looking at this later on and saying, well, do I really want to go through this process? This is, of course, why the Democrats love the mail-in ballot stuff so much. It's, it, I know a lot of people think, oh, well, they're stuffing the ballot box. Well, there's some evidence occasionally where this stuff happens. It happens you know, in, in various areas around the country every once in a while. But look. The bottom line, the problem with the mail-in voting stuff is that it gets to people who don't actually care, right? It's people who don't actually want to put any effort into voting whatsoever, and they wind up throwing out votes for, with no information. And, of course, this is what Democrats want. They want low-information voters casting ballots with no thought because when they have no thought, they'll go with what they've heard. And what they hear from the media all the time is that Joe Biden is, Bidenomics is working and Donald Trump is Satan. So this is why they want that. Asked to name the biggest concern about a Biden candidacy in 2024. This is, again, something that Joe Biden can't cure. This is not a problem. You you come out and you're like, oh, well, I'm a big spender. Well, uh, try to be try to present an image of fiscal responsibility. Right. Oh, I don't have enough. uh, 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 I don't know. I don't have enough, uh, um, uh, you know, long term work on the world stage. I I don't have that experience. Well, you bring in some top advisors to to talk with you and make it appear. Barack Obama did this with Joe Biden, actually. Uh, One of the reasons he picked him, first of all, number one was because he was white. Look it up. He wrote about it in his book. But number two was that he had some fisc, uh, some foreign policy chops, he believed, and thought that would help him get through. There are, there are things you can address. You can't address this. This is really tough. Uh, his biggest problem, 49% directly mentioned his age. With his mental acuity, 7%. Health, 7%. Uh, also top concerns. Along with his ability to handle the job, 7%. His popularity and electability, 6%. And 5% say they have no concerns. But add these up. These are, these are all related. 49% age, 7% health. That's related. 56% you're up to now. 7% his ability to handle the job. I mean, you're over 60% of people who are mentioning basically the same thing. Now, asked directly about the potential effects of his age, majorities, majorities of Democratic aligned voters say they are seriously concerned that Biden's age might negatively affect his current level of physical and mental competence. Uh, His ability to win the election, 60 percent. His ability to serve another full term as president if reelected, 61 percent. Fewer, 43 percent, say they're seriously concerned that his age would negatively affect his ability to understand the concerns of the next generation. This is all really problematic. Most uh, most Democratic-aligned voters uh, younger than 45 
say they approve of Biden's job performance overall. But in a break from older partisans, substantial majorities also say that Biden does not inspire confidence. I mean, how can this guy possibly inspire you to do anything other than eat pudding? Uh, But apparently no confidence there. He does not have the stamina or the sharpness to serve effectively. 64% said that. And his policies have failed to improve the economy. 64%. And you can get over the hump with your age being a problem if your policies are really helping things. I give you yet again the Reagan example. Here's a guy in his 70s. He was mocked in his first election for being too old and out of it. He was mocked again. I mean, Genesis was making songs mocking him for his competence. Yet the country was raging. It was a raging success. So he won one of the biggest landslides in history. People are actually even okay putting a person in that they have some questions about when it comes to their mental acuity if they can show they're competent. That's not what people believe about Joe Biden. In an early gauge of a hypothetical Biden-Trump rematch, CNN's poll finds registered voters are currently split between Trump 47% and Biden 46%, with the Democratic uh, demographic contours that define the 2020 race still prominent. Biden sees majority support among voters of color at 58%, college graduates 56%, voters younger than 35, 55%. These are all bad numbers for a Democrat, by the way. Women, 53%. Trump has the majority support among whites, men, and voters without a college degree. That's the way Trump's election worked in 2016 and 2020 as well. Those are his kind of core groups. And they're very large groups, so that's good if you want to try to win an election. Nearly six in ten in registered voters say they would uh, say that their vote in a matchup between Trump and Biden would be largely motivated by their attitudes toward the former president. This is a huge, huge thing as you look at the primary. This is something you have to consider because this is likely to stay the same. Uh, it, the overwhelming majority of people are going to make this decision based on what they think about Donald Trump. That is just true. It's going to be very hard to get people to focus on Joe Biden and his policies if Donald Trump is the nominee, because he, one of his huge strengths is to suck all the oxygen out of the room when it comes to coverage. But in this case, one of his weaknesses is that, because this, if this is a, um, a, an election that is based on whether Joe Biden has done a good job, Republicans will win in the landslide. But that's not what it's going to be based on if it's Trump. That doesn't mean he can't win. He can win. Anyone, anybody can beat Joe Biden. It should be easy. Anybody should be able to do it. Um, and you'll see some people have pretty large leads over him. But still, it's going to be very, very challenging for Trump because it becomes not a Biden election. It becomes a Trump election. And that's okay, but you got to know what you're doing when you go in. Um, so six in 10 registered voters say that the matchup between Trump and Biden will be largely motivated by their attitudes towards Trump. 30% say they'd vote for Biden mostly to express their opposition to Trump. 29% say that they'd vote for Trump mostly in an affirmative show of support. Only about one third, by contrast, said they didn't, they say see their votes mostly as a way to cast judgment on Biden. That's not the way it's supposed to be with a president. Uh, by the way, they did break down the matchups from all the major Republican candidates. And there's some interesting nuggets in there. One in particular stands out, um, and that is Nikki Haley. Haley is going to be telling you about her electability a lot after this poll has been released. I promise you. Trump is up by one. DeSantis is even with Biden in, in these polls. Haley is up by six 
It's the outlier of all of these candidates. Now, again, I told you on debate night that I thought she had a bad debate. So never listen to me again. In fact, rewind your life and hope you didn't hear anything I just said, because apparently I don't know anything. I didn't think she did a great job. She was aggressive. I thought she won some of the battles she had with other people. I thought her abortion point was bad. Now, as you know, I am a noted abortion extremist, uh, anti-abortion extremist. I, uh, I, I want policies that are not popular in this country. So it kind of may, maybe that's uh, maybe a little, little of my judgment. I didn't think she did a great job on that particular question. Pence is up by two, by the way. Tim Scott up by two over Biden. Ramaswamy is down by one. Christie is up by two. Now these are hugely surprising. Um, the, the Haley one does stand out, though. She is really the one outlier in that entire poll. Uh, everyone else really, really close. Uh, as of now, Republican and Republican-leaning voters are more deeply driven to vote. Uh, 71% said they're extremely motivated. Democrats, 61%. So the passion is on the right right now uh, by a small margin, 71 to 61, but that is important. What this all breaks down to, and I've been going on for a long time, you know me with Pulse, but what this boils down to is how the people in the middle and the people who are undecided and the people you know, out the 10 to 15 percent of Americans who don't have their minds made up already between, let's say, Biden and Trump. It breaks down to two things. Right now, every poll seems to show about the same thing, that the biggest negatives about these people are canceling each other out. Uh, basically, you have people who look at Biden and say, oh, my God, he's way too old. We'll call it uh, old man sleepy, old man sleepy going up against orange man bad. If you think orange man bad, you're going to vote for Joe Biden. If you think old man sleepy, well, you're probably going to vote for Donald Trump. Those things might cancel each other out. And they are right now. The question is, where's the passion behind that? Right now, Republicans have more passion. But the question is, do Democrats and left-leaning people hate Donald Trump and think he's so evil and awful and, and, and a criminal more with more passion then people look at Trump or Biden and say, eh, you know, he's he's lazy. He's you know, he's out of it. He can't do this job. He's incompetent. Those two things are going to battle. They're both things that are basically impossible for each candidate to cure at this point. Trump's not going to convince people he's the nicest guy in the world uh, that don't like him. No one's going to say, oh, well, Joe Biden, actually, he is a spry individual unless it's Corinne Jean-Pierre talking. It's a lot to take in. There is the warning that you shouldn't be making major decisions or panicking about this stuff, but it's a good way to understand the state of the race. And that's where we are. State of the race, part four. American manufacturing, really important. It's going to be important when we get to this campaign. People who actually decide they're going to do something for the country while they're doing good business, doing good while doing good business. That's sort of the enlightened capitalism we've talked about over the years, where if you are the type of company that cares about this country and figures, hey, you know, maybe I'll make my profits a little bit lower than some of the other guys. Maybe we won't take every dime out of this. Maybe we'll just make really good products and we'll be proud of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Grip6 is a company that does exactly this. They make great stuff for you. And there's two parts to this, right? Yes, it's great that they like the country. Yes, it's great that they're really good people. Yes, it's great that they don't hate your guts, right? All these things are important. They also have to have awesome products that you love. And Grip6.com slash stew is a place to go to find products that you love. 
awesome wallets, really great belts. Uh, they have great socks as well. We're getting into the cooler months here. Uh, you're going to want some great socks from Grip6. Go to the website, grip6.com slash stew. Use the code stew. You'll save 15% off today. Grip, the number six, dot com slash stew. It's grip6.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome Steve Baker to the program. He's an investigative reporter and contributor to our very own Blaze Media. Steve, thanks so much for sticking around and, and doing this today. I appreciate thanks, it. Stu. We had actually Mike Baker scheduled for today, and you were going to be scheduled. We're going to we're going to tape this and air it later on. And then like he had to bail last minute, so we had a backup Baker. Like this is incredible. My middle name is Michael. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, we'll just call you Mike Baker then. <laughs> okay, so Steve Baker's here, and and we talked to you on the radio the other day, and I, yeah. I you know Glenn uh, went down some really interesting roads with you, but I just kept coming up with more and more questions. I'm like, can you please stick around so we can do this, because you have really followed all of these January 6th trials very closely. You were in the courtroom for the entirety of the uh, of the Oath Keepers trials. The first, uh, the first Oath Keepers trial. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, the, it was weeks and weeks and weeks, right? Nine weeks that I was there every single day in the courtroom. Nine weeks, okay. Yeah. So you're out there for nine weeks, you're watching this go on, and I think like my impression, then you tell me if I'm, I'm wrong on any of this. I watched the January 6th footage, I've watched you know, a couple documentaries on it, I don't want to make it feel like, okay, this was just a walk in the park. It was a tourist. A bunch of tourists went through. Some of the people did kind of do that. They walked in and kind of yeah. walked out. But there were some really bad actions. There were bad actors. There was violence that did happen. And to me, those people should be punished if they did that. Yeah. Um, if someone was really trying to plot a, a coup or whatever, those, those people should be punished. But you watch this Oath Keepers trial, and that's not what was happening here. This is something totally different than the really violent people that we saw. Can you kind of walk people through the trial? What was accused and, and what was actually proven? Well, they were all of the individuals in the first trial were accused of seditious conspiracy. Mm. You know, the big, the big charge. charge. The yeah. big charge yeah. that they're that you know recently the more recently the Proud Boys were convicted of and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And it. it is simply in, in my mind, having watched what I watch, having been as close to it as I as I was. I was actually in the media room every day. You know, there was a media room with the screens up, and we got the audio and the video feed down there. And I could sit there and watch the media. I would sit in the back of the back right hand corner of the media room and watch them, mm. and then read their stories every day that came out later in the afternoon or the next morning. Oh, that's gotta be and fascinating. It was incredibly fascinating yeah. because every morning I would walk and I'd look them in the face, and in my mind I would say. Did you watch the same trial I saw yesterday? <laughs> that, was, that was the feeling I had every day because they were only reporting half of the news. They were reporting primarily when the, um, the prosecution or the government had what, had what they called their case in chief. They were presenting their evidence to the jury and to the court. They were reporting what they were saying and they were reporting on what their witnesses were saying under their questioning and they were largely leaving out what was happening under cross-examination. Hmm. And, and as I mentioned, I think on the radio the other day, we, we witnessed during the first couple of weeks real victories that were taking place. And I was meeting with the, the defense attorneys every night and going out to dinner with them. And, and they were feeling really good. They felt like that they were winning the day. And, and that was the case by and large because 
as they got every one of these FBI agents on the stand, and after the FBI agents had, had done all of their, you know, dog and pony shows, mm-hmm. the rehearsed testimonies, uh, obviously, that, you know, that happens in any trial. Any trial yeah. But what ended up happening is under cross-examination, they were failing on two key points, is that every single one of them admitted that there was never a written or a verbal plan to either overthrow the Capitol, overthrow the government, stop the uh, certification, ratification of the vote. Uh, none of that ever existed. Hmm. And that was, the, that was the victory that was happening every day. And I'm, you know, under a, under a normal uh, jury situation, not a DC jury, you would think this has really got to be having an impact. And, but it's a DC jury. It's a DC jury. And so let me get this straight. Was there anyone in the uh, Oath Keepers that was charged with some of the real violence we saw, hitting police officers over the head with pipes? And I mean, there was some of that stuff there. Did any of them get involved in that at all? Ultimately, they were all initially charged with aiding and abetting in violence and property destruction, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Just being somewhere near where it was happening. Right. Uh, is, and then, of course, the, the government characterized them as the leaders of the insurrection. They were the tip of the spear. Because well, they had the name, right? Like, right. Oath Keepers is a name people are familiar with. Right. The left doesn't like them. And they, they dress in kind of paramilitary-type mm-hmm. outfits, but they do that because they've been providing, for 13 years before January 6th, they've been providing security for events all over the country, mm-hmm. uh, thousands of events that they had worked at, not just uh, protest events, but also hurricane disaster relief uh, type of things. And in 13 years, they never had a single incident where they were ever charged with a crime, had never so much as even hit anybody, never used their weapons, because in, in jurisdictions where they could carry weapons, they do. Uh, of course, they couldn't in D.C., so they didn't bring their weapons to D.C. And But to specifically answer your question, there was only one of the Oath Keepers in that trial uh, by the name of Jessica Watkins who got involved in a bit of a pushing and skirmish with, I think, some Metropolitan Police inside the Capitol building. But most of the the rest of the guys in that trial had no uh, charge or no actual charge of violence, never did any violence, never uh, interfered with any police officers whatsoever, and in fact, indeed, did help some. And, and Jessica Watkins, if I can remember correctly, was is a transgendered person, right? I don't remember which way it goes, but yes. okay. Um, that's just something that people might remember from that part. Yeah, she's a trans woman. A trans woman, thank you. Um, okay, so th- this is a difference, right, between the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Like the, the Proud Boys and some of the members of the Proud Boys in particular did get into, I mean, they would talk about it. Like, if oh, they're yeah. going to go, if they're going to come at us, we're going to go back at them. They were yeah. fine getting into fights. Um, in other, they've had that in their history before. That's not right. really the history of the Oath Keepers. It's not the history, and it was not ever the intent of any of them. In fact, there was actual testimony in the trial of one of the Oath Keepers, uh, the, one of, like a new member, suggesting to one of the leadership, I think it was the, the um, Kelly Meggs, who was the leader of the Florida chapter of the Oath Keepers, had called uh, Kelly and said, hey, I've got some buddies in, in Proud Boys that will that'll go up there with us. And they even said, uh, no, 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 that, those guys are, those guys bust heads and that's not what we do. Mm. Okay, so even if they didn't actually commit any violent acts, if they're on record, uh, the texts, videos saying, hey, we need to go in there and disrupt this vote. We need to go in there and stop uh, the, the transition of power. We need to uh, turn over the government so that Donald Trump can stay in office. Even if they didn't actually commit violence themselves, if they were doing that and planning that, that would still be a big problem. 
Was there any evidence of, of that? No, there was no evidence of that. In fact, what the jury was shown for weeks was what I characterized as a uh, audiovisual psyop because the government had unlimited resources and they had all of these texts and all these signal messages and all these videos. In fact, it was highly prejudicial uh, evidence that they were being shown to the jury because they showed the jury evidence of battle scenes all around the Capitol and the breaking in of the yeah. windows and the doors and the barricades and the Oath Keepers weren't even on the property yet. They were still down at the Ellipse or working their way over with the VIPs that they were escorting for the licensed events that were to take place on the Capitol grounds that day. I mean, that's incredible. So they don't have this seditious conspiracy, even though that's what they got charged with. They got charged with it, and of course, a couple of them did ultimately get convicted of seditious conspiracy. And big conspiracy. sentences, too, right? It wasn't 20, 22 years was Tario of the Proud Boys, but they got, what, 16 years? Uh, in that Stuart range? Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers, he got 18 years. 18 years. Right. 18 years. And what was what was their argument here? If they didn't commit violent acts, they didn't they weren't on record doing anything as far as planning an overthrow of the government. What did how did they justify these charges? Judge Maida in Stuart Rhodes sentencing. This is not an exact quote, but I am paraphrasing accurately. Mm -hmm. He said to Stuart Rhodes, he said, you're smart, you're eloquent, you're a leader of men. Therefore, you're a danger to society and I'm going to put you away for 18 years. And that's basically, no, it, it was, it was that clear. But Stuart, Stuart is not necessarily a likable guy, mm -hmm. and he uses what I call scary words, but all of these guys are former military. A lot of them are special forces. All of the Oath Keepers are either former military or former or current law enforcement. Some of these people are still in law enforcement, still carry their badges, still carry their guns. And these guys, they, they, they talk a little bit rougher than yeah. you and I might. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, they went back and they got all of this chatting from them back and forth, back and forth. And so they would pluck out. So if, if you had a chat, uh, a signal chat of a thousand messages mm -hmm. with a dozen or so guys on, a, on this chat, they, the, the FBI went in and plucked out the most inflammatory of those and then would not present in the trial the actual planning of the day, which was the planning of the day, was for which stage they were going to be providing security at, which VIP they were going to be providing security at, mm. that sort of thing, what time they needed to show up, where they needed to be on Friday night, Saturday morning. I mean, I'm sorry, not Friday. It was, that was a Wednesday event. Uh, mm. but, it, but Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, that sort of thing. And this is what they left out. And then, of course, the defense would try to counter that. But, again... DC jury. So um, when you say scary words, because you mentioned that on the radio too, they're basically put in jail for scary words, which is not supposed to happen in this country. The scary words, did they amount to anything? Were they threats against people? I mean, how, what are we talking about? This, the only real threats that took place were words like, for instance, that uh, Stuart Rhodes uttered after, some weeks afterward, he was recorded by a, an FBI confidential human source in a parking lot here in Dallas. And in that conversation, he said that he wished he had brought his rifles. He wished he had been able to, you know, string Nancy Pelosi up or that sort of thing. And he had also been drinking pretty heavily that night when he was recorded. And so obviously that was used. But I sat down with one of, just this week, I sat down with one of the Oath Keepers attorneys this week here in Dallas, and I said, or Stuart Rhodes attorneys specifically, and I said, you're an attorney, you know, the, you know the law better than I do, but let me ask you a quick question. I said, if I said on a signal chat message or text message or whatever, I said, I want to go to D.C. Mm -hmm. and I want to put a bullet 
in Nancy Pelosi's head. Mm. Terrible. And but it's a horrible thing to say. Mm -hmm. But then when I showed up at D.C., I didn't even have a gun on me, and I didn't go into the Capitol. Have I committed a crime? He said, absolutely not. Mm. Saying what I want to do and saying what I'm going to do yeah, and because then doing the thing. Every every NFL game would have people tweeting about the, the officials, and they, they would all be thrown in prison. <laughs> exactly right. Right. Okay. Um, I know you. Uh, I've got about thirty seconds left here. Can you give us any preview of the stuff you're working on here that's going to be coming to the blaze and in, 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 in the coming weeks and months? I, I will tell you that there were moments in that Oath Keepers trial where I saw things that did not make sense. Mm -hmm. I saw what I felt like was. Uh, improper behavior between the government uh, prosecutors and the judge itself, and then that got my radar <laughs> yeah. a, a pinging. And as a result of that, I went into I've been on a 11, 12 month investigation into a very particular story that, that began in that trial, and we're about to um, reveal that here in the next couple of weeks. Mm, this is big. You're not going to want to miss this. It's really he's been working really hard on this, and he has access to all sorts of very interesting things. We'll leave it at that for now. Steve Baker, he's an investigative journalist, and he's a Blaze Media contributor as well. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Stu. Thank you. So are you buying or selling a home? If you're going across the country, maybe moving, you know, so many people in the audience have uh, moved from, you know, some crazy California to Texas or Florida or somewhere, not only uh, with nice weather, but also uh, non-crazy policies. If you're one of those people and you're going to a new area, you probably don't have a real estate agent. You need the best one. That's why you need realestateagentsitrust.com. Really, honestly, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're, you're moving within town or you're moving across the country. Realestateagentsitrust.com can help you on both sides of that transaction. You've got to have an agent that's on your side. Particularly, people forget this when they're buying. They're like, oh, I'll just... Whatever person, whatever faces underneath the house I like, I'll, I'll go to that person. Well, they're working for the seller. You got to have somebody on your side. Realestateagentsitrust.com. No matter what you're doing, buying or selling a home, get the best price on either side. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, quick programming note for you. Um, Coach Kennedy, who's been on this show, um, he was also a big part of a Supreme Court case where he was told he couldn't pray on the field, won the case, was able to go back to his job, and then just quit after one day, uh, which is crazy, one game. Uh, he has all sorts of reasons why he did that, and he's going to explain them tomorrow on the radio show. So don't miss it. It's, of course, part of your Blaze TV subscription. Uh, Glenn and I will be talking to Coach Kennedy. I um, want to tell you about a couple other crazy things going on. Uh, we have the highest gas prices in August that we've had in every single year in our history, I think, except for last year, because last year was even higher. Now, this is something that Biden brags about. It's uh, also something he should be incredibly embarrassed about. But at the very least, you'd think he'd be trying to fix it, right? How do we get more supply if we're having issues with high gas prices? Well, the answer is here. He's going to now ban and cancel Alaska oil and gas leases that were issued under Trump. This is part of ANWR, 19.6 million acres. Uh, it is a, it's been a nonstop controversy for years and years and years and years with absolutely no reason. And it should be something that we're doing. Instead, they're going to screw with our supply even more when we already have all these problems. This is biodynamics in action, uh, screwing you over and over again in so many different ways. And we are now hearing that Biden has a plan for G20 uh, not give everybody COVID, which also might be part of the plan, but also Bidenomics for the world. Good God almighty. Imagine if you're another country's leader and you're like, wait, you want to bring what here? Well, I'm sorry, what? Bidenomics? 
I would take if I were a, the president of another country and Joe Biden walked in and said, I want to bring Bidenomics to the entire globe. I would I would take that as a declaration of war <laughs> against my nation. That's what I would do. I would say we're in World War Three because uh, we do not want anything to do with Bidenomics. Sounds like a catastrophe. And by, by the way, if you happen to hear the first segment with all the polls of what people think of Joe Biden and Bidenomics, uh, it seems like the American people are taking it the same way. Jace Case from Jace Medical. Yes, what happens if, I don't know, maybe we try to bring Bidenomics to the world and all the other countries are like, hey, we're manufacturing all of your goods and we're not going to give them to you anymore until you take your Bidenomics back. Very possible, honestly. The Jace Case from Jace Medical is a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics. Why do you need those? Well, supply chains break down. Uh, Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you're just like traveling um, either to a place that's maybe a little bit remote or just a foreign country where you don't want to deal with their healthcare system, you get something like a respiratory infection or sinusitis or a skin infection, you can knock that out with antibiotics easily if you have the antibiotics. Well, you will with Jace Medical. JaceMedical.com. Enter the code Stu at checkout. You'll uh, get a promo code Stu. It's going to help you uh, save there. J-A-S-E Medical.com. JaceMedical.com. It's the Jace case from Jace Medical. We went over uh, some of the polling uh, that came out earlier today, and uh, you look at that range of candidates, all the Republicans matching up against Joe Biden, and it does kind of put you in the mindset, how, look, you want to pick the best one. That's really, really important. But man, I don't want four more years of this guy. Uh, this is why we came up with the anyone but Joe Biden line of merch. Uh, it's available at stewdoesmerch.com. Uh, the code is stew10. You can save 10%. It's one of those things that I think unites people right now. I will say this, and I've said it a hundred times, I'm going to continue to say it. Primary season is the dumbest season. People just lose their minds. They all hate each other for no reason on, on the right. I, I, hate, I hate this time of year, honestly, because this should be the most interesting part of all of this coverage. Hey, we've got 12 different flavors of conservatism. Which one do you want? Uh, some of them not really that conservative. Some of them super conservative. Some of them more nationalist. Some of them more foreign policy conservatives. You can find every flavor right now, and that's an interesting conversation and debate. Instead, everyone just loses their minds. And they get, all, they get on their candidate, and they get pissed off anytime anyone praises anyone else. Look, you know, you, if you love Trump, you don't have to hate Ron DeSantis. Right. Like if you love Ron DeSantis, you don't have to hate Donald Trump. You don't have to hate Nikki Haley. You know, a lot of people do hate Chris Christie. I mean, that's, you know, understandable. But still, the point is anyone but Joe Biden and it's available now. Anyone but Biden. It's available at stewdoesmerch.com. The code is Stu10. Okay, so here's what happened. There was a bear attack in Florida. Uh, And that's not never a usually we do like lighthearted stories around this time. But no, this is a bear attack. There's some things you need to know about this bear attack, though. First of all, the attack was uh, performed by Tripod the Bear. Now, Tripod the Bear is named Tripod because just three legs. So this thing gets around a little slowly uh, and is actually kind of known in the community and wound up getting into someone's uh, enclosed porch. Now, You'd think that this could get ugly, right? A bear inside of a house, not necessarily the best situation. 
Um, but we do have video of the bear doing this, and uh, let's play that now. Um, here it is. And you can tell that the bear did not kill anyone because of the music, right? Like, it's, it's way too happy. It would be weird if this ended in a bear slaughtering some child. But the bear gets into this enclosed area and goes up and knows right where to go, goes to the fridge. There's a little fridge out there, opens up the fridge, and just starts downing white claws. Like, wound up going through three white claws. Apparently, favorite flavor, strawberry and mango. Um, and... And I don't know if there's a keg in there. I don't know if that was Bud Light. He's like, I'm not having the Bud Light. I don't want anyone to see me drinking Bud Light. Uh, but the bear did attack the White Claws. The White Claws did not survive. But uh, Tripod and his three claws are uh, seemingly okay. Maybe a little tipsy, but seemingly okay. Okay, blazetv.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Uh, you can get the great content uh, all week long. Uh, it, Glenn has a huge podcast coming out with a retired government official. He'll have all the details for you, but you can get early access to that now. Glazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew.